PCA Conversations with Black Voices. This is Between the Pew. Between the Pew is brought to you by African American Ministries. AAM exists to provide ways to support, mentor, and mobilize African Americans within the PCA. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Between the Pew. Today, we are joined with Jason Foncare. Jason hey. currently lives in Naples, Florida. Yeah, you see how I said that thing? I said it <laughs> right way, French way. Uh, Jason lives in Naples, Florida, uh, but he's got a big move coming up in the near future that we're, we're going to dive into that a little bit later. Uh, uh, Brother Jason is a senior at uh, Florida Gulf Coast and will be graduating this May. My name is Charles McKnight and I am joined by my distinguished co-host Janelle Chavis. Here he and goes. we are excited <laughs> to dig into our time with the homie Jason today. Janelle, you doing all right today, sis? Doing good, Charles. Doing good. Excited to chat with Jason. What's up, man? All right. <laughs> What's going on, y'all? I'm happy to be on. Charles, Janelle happy to be here yeah great great so you feeling all right today man i'm feeling good man i'm feeling good i'm excited i prepped i'm i'm ready (laughs) hey i come at me i'm ready for that's it we were joking because you know right now we're just doing the audio uh Mm -hmm. but brother looking real smooth right now he is a little looking looking real r&b-ish singerish right now brother wish y'all could see him I Come wish on, you could see him, man. We, we'll throw up a good go picture for you. It's going to have to go into visuals, man. But no, nah, I mean, it's been a minute, actually, since uh, we've been able to really, really catch up. So, man, I'm just excited to hear your voice, see your face today, man, um, and excited to introduce you to the people. So let's go ahead and dive in. Right. Uh, man, just tell the folks about yourself. Where did you grow up? Tell us about your family. Give us a little, the little Jason origin story. Well, uh, for me, I'm from originally from Kenscough, Haiti. So I'm from the islands. Uh, so it is the, the last name with Funke. It's French. Um, so I'm Haitian. Hmm. And I moved to Naples, Florida when I was around like five or six years old. So I did go to primary school over there. And uh, it was cool. I, I mean, I haven't been back since, but I'm, I'm very proud of my heritage. I'm very proud of my roots of where I start off. So um, it's just been uh, very cool to be, uh, to be able to say that Man, I, I'm, I'm a Zoe. I'm a Haitian. Sakpase, not Boule. You already know what's going on. Oh, man. So hey, it's, uh, it. I, I am also fluent in Creole as well. So um, since moving down here in Naples, Florida, my family came down, me, my, my parents, my older brother, my younger sister, and my younger brother. Uh, we've just kind of been living down here in Naples, Florida. And um, I guess a little bit in terms of like my Christian background, I, I grew up in a Christ-centered home. Uh, something that I always mention when it comes to just like my walk is that um, I grew up doing family worship. Mm-hmm. So every single night at 9 p.m., uh, sometime in the evening or at nighttime, my family would get together and do family worship. I learned how to pray, how to worship, and how to um, read my Bible through my dad's tutelage. He's the one that kind of showed me the ropes. And I feel like if it wasn't really for my dad, uh, some of the leadership skills that I have currently or my aspirations to be a pastor, it, it, it really started with him, just helping him to be able to give me a good grasp of the gospel message. 
So we just kind of been chilling down here in Naples, Florida. I mean, it is definitely there's a lot of Haitians down here. Like it definitely yeah. is the place to vacation. And you see a lot of older people. But we have a really big Haitian community. So I started um, when I came down here, we found a free Methodist church uh, down here where we would worship every single Sunday nonstop. Um, I think when I heard other people's stories like like Charles and some others like, um, in terms of like how long church services are. Um, I guess it was a common joke when we came down here that black services are like really long. And I was like, oh, how long do they normally, um, how long are they normally? But Haitian services are, you know, give or take four to five hours long in the morning. Oh, snap, and, bro. And I was just like. That's, a, that's, a, that's like a conference. That's, that, y'all, y'all be having like many <laughs> conferences every single Sunday. Every single, and it doesn't stop there because the you take a break in the middle just to go home, eat. And, and go to sleep and you come back in oh, the man. from seven uh, to about 1030. Uh, and it doesn't matter. Next day is a school day. It, church is church. Um, mm, yeah. So that was just a big part of my life. And they always say like for a Haitian child, like their main life is, is, is lick or like I Ligley's, which is home church and school. Those are mm. the only three things that a Haitian kid was really doing anywhere like this mm-hmm. i swear when you see like if you lock if you're watching some comedy you're like man that it seems like i had the same life as that other person like every haitian kid that i know had the exact same lifestyle this is the top three things that we did and i mean but it was good man i, I it, it was a it was a good experience i got a chance to uh get involved with my church uh, I, I got baptized at 14 accepted christ in my life when i was around 11 or 12 uh with my sister so it was just a very big church was a very big part of my life. But the thing that was different was is that I think my parents helped me to really enjoy it. Um, and um, as soon as I got the opportunity to get baptized, I started serving with the young adult ministry. And uh, I became because a lot of the time minority churches are under resourced and they don't really have um, that much. thing. You know, they don't really have the people. They don't really have the volunteers. It's just they just kind of want to put your kids somewhere like we don't really want you, you know, we want you to be doing something. We just don't want you to be making all this mess and noise during mm-hmm. the regular service. So we had like an outdoor room or we had youth ministry and everything else like that. And um, I, I, when I first started serving, I wanted to volunteer after I got baptized or like, okay, maybe you could um, help with the Sunday school with the teaching a little bit and kind of be an assistant. And I think I was an assistant for one day and the teacher had to leave because she was going off to college and I became the Sunday school teacher then at 14 at uh, 13. Thir- wow. At 13. Yeah. So I was just like, this is a surprise. It kind of threw at me, but I really feel like, I mean, who, they didn't have anyone else. So I just kind of accepted the call. Um, so so. I, quick question about, about your upbringing a little bit. When you, when your dad is inter- doing these nightly devotions, which I think is super, super neat. How were you as it concerns your acceptance of it? Was it kind of like a, this is just what I have to do and be a part of, I'm going to be happy about it. Uh, did, was there any sort of rebellion you were feeling like, why do we have to do this? How, how did you, what was your posture like towards these nightly devotions? Um, I think there definitely is some nights where you're just like, um, man, like, why is it so long? Cause like the devotions were also like really long. Like everything in my house is long. Like it was hot <laughs> and it was long. Like, uh, so it was just during those, during those times of like worship, they're about over an hour. So there was times I wish they were shorter, but I think 
one of the things that my that stuck with me that my dad always told me is if you have any issues, just pray about it. Mm. So I got in the habit of just praying for everything. And like my parents also don't really growing up, they didn't really believe in having friends. They're just like, Jesus Christ is your only friend. So we weren't, <laughs> this is the thing. We stay home. We never went outside. We didn't really have, we, we there was no sleepovers. There was none of that. So it was just like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is your friends. Hang out with your brothers and sisters and take care of them. So it was mm-hmm. just like, I just got into the habit of just always praying for things. And it kind of just stuck, stuck with me as I kind of continued. Brother, there's some good wisdom and encouragement, I think, for a lot of people from just even that part of your story, you know, especially for us parents who are attempting uh, to to try to lead our children um, as the covenant children they are in a a God honoring way, uh, just to hear that. You know, uh, our efforts um, are hopefully not not in vain. Um, and I think even of people that work with children and youth at churches, I think oftentimes um, we don't recognize um, as much as we should that our children, and our youth, you know, the old Whitney Houston song, what I believe the children are the future. But the reality <laughs> is that uh, before Whitney said that um, the Lord said that and it's all mm-hmm. throughout the songs, just um the exhortation for us to raise up the next generation in the church. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen once they hit this magical number. And now all of a sudden we'll start taking them seriously. But man, like early on, there was this looking out for who was going to be the next leaders, even in that local church, man. And yeah. so I know that that might be uh, distinct to your particular church, but man, I think it accords with a lot of people's experiences that grew up in the black church. Um, I just think Mm -hmm. about, you know, having to do little uh, recitations, they called it, and little speeches and all that kind of stuff. And um, it was all just geared towards their recognition that um, if we don't develop these leaders now, uh, the the church is not going to continue to grow and thrive. So, man, I'm I'm just encouraged by your testimony, man. Just really, really encouraged by that. Now, what church are you in now? Where do you go? I, I go to Covenant Church of Naples. Um, so it's, okay. a bigger, it's a bigger church in the in the uh, Suncoast Presbytery. Okay, that that don't sound like the Haitian church you grew up in. Yeah, man, I left. <laughs> okay, that was the problem. All right, come Talk on. us through All that. Right. Talk us through that. Let's, let's go. Let's go. What's going on? Yeah, man. So being in the Haitian church, uh, I got to serve there. You know, since since I was thirteen, right? So thirteen. And I and I was there for a few years doing Sunday school. Like I got into different mixes of I was choir director at a point in time. I was you just kind of do a little bit of everything. You're young. Hold up. Can, like, can you sing? Can you sing, bro? No, this is the thing. Not every <laughs> choir director needs to know how to sing. Uh, I mean, okay. I can sing a little bit. I, you know, I could hold a key for a little bit. But the main kind, thing kind of like Kirk Franklin, Kirk Franklin level singing. That's exactly what it was. I mean, I still got some videos on my Facebook of direct and it was mainly for the youth. So I was directing that. But I had like a whole whistle. We had a whole ordeal. We had I was just directing. That's that's what I was. I need to see a video Mm -hmm. direct. Janelle, I will show it to you when Mm -hmm. I get up there in D.C. Um, But anyways, (laughs) I actually I ended up leaving the Haitian church because a few different things. One was I felt I was pouring into these students. You know, the Haitian church really loved and cared for me well. They gave me opportunities to uh, to preach at my church at 15 and 16. And it really helped me to see that, man, this is what I really want to do. I felt a calling on my life really early on uh, to be a pastor. So I feel like the, the Haitian church really, um, really took me 
and, and, and nourished me and really grew me up in the way and, and said, hey, I, we see these gifts within you. Mm-hmm. And this is something that you don't normally see, especially in PCA churches, where they'll just put you in the pulpit. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying it's always the best thing, but it really right. helped me to see that, hey, this is what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciated that. But also at the same time with, with minority churches, Haitian churches, um, they have a failure to kind of integrate the youth into the regular service. And I really wanted to mm-hmm. see the kids because the sermons were all preached in Creole or in French. And you have all these um, kids who are growing up in America, uh, including myself, who some didn't really understand some of the sermons or some of the sermons were very legalistic, very works-based. Uh, I swear, I felt like all the sermons I mainly heard was basically on kids obeying your parents and kind of just bashing the kids on how mm. we're not doing good enough or well enough. And it was just really based off sermons that really wasn't um, hitting us personally or hitting me personally. And I just wanted them to kind of make some few changes, nothing too um, big, uh, but something that would be able to integrate the students. And I guess at the time, it just really wasn't their vision within the leadership. So I felt like I was a bit frustrated with that because I felt like, man, how are we growing as a church? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm doing all these things. And um, and I appreciate it. But at the same time, too, it felt like I wanted to grow. And at that time, I had a friend, um, his name is Weedbens, and um, he's also was kind of introducing me to Reformed theology. And we started having those conversations after church because he also helped with the with the youth ministry as well. And we'd be getting into these deep conversations. He's telling me about, um, hey, I've been watching these videos from like R.C. Sproul and mm. all these. And, and I was like, oh, wow, like John, like uh, John Piper. And um, Paul Wa- and Paul Washer, John-, John Piper was such a big guy in my life that I started using his material even when I was at the Haitian church teaching um, youth uh, the Sunday schools. Oh. And um, at that time, I was just like, man, I really like this. I feel like there's something in this that the Haitian church is not giving me. So I kind of felt that I was being deprived of really essentially how I phrased it back then was the gospel. And I felt like the Haitian church... Um, after some time, I felt like they just weren't giving us that. I felt like they were mm. just giving these sermons that were quote unquote empty or they lacked the gospel message. They lacked the good news. I felt like it was just based all of performance. So um, I was just looking for ways to, I wasn't necessarily looking for ways out, but it kind of just op- different opportunities started coming my way. How um, old were you during this time? I was around 18 or 19 as okay. I was about to graduate high school that I was figuring out, man, maybe I kind of want something else, but I didn't want to fully leave because I had a commitment to these students and these kids and I love them. I care for them. These are my family. It's my church family. I've been here for years. I didn't want to leave like that. Um, but I actually got introduced to a non-denominational black majority black church. And I started attending because the pastor saw some gifts because I used to do speaking events for different organizations and emceeing and stuff like that. And he was at one of the events and he told me, Hey, I would love to mentor you can you come visit our church? So after I would do Sunday school, I would get in the car and I would go to their church. And I would, I, so I was kind of going back and forth. And I was like, man, this is like, when I first went to that, to that church, cause I'd never really been to a black church before like that. It really looked like it was a BET movie. Like I'd watch all these BET <laughs> films and they're hollering that they're loud, the music. I was like, man, yes. I really like this. Like this is so different. And it's showing you that, that black people aren't a monolith. Like we're very much different. Like there was yeah. some, some things that we had in common. Um, their service is a lot shorter than, than ours, but um, we were very expressive. 
Like we like to move. Like it was not that much different from um, our style of worship. So I felt like I was able to, it was not, it wasn't a hard transition to try to fit in. So I was kind of going back and forth for like a year and a half until I fully just stopped going to the Haitian church. And I felt like I I left in a very, in a really bad way because I should have spoke to my pastor and and told my church that I'm leaving. I kind of just disappeared and I slowly started exiting. And I eventually went out and addressed the issue and I apologized to the Haitian church Mm -hmm. because my parents still go there and people were starting Mm -hmm. to say some things about me that I didn't. I was like, man, we knew each other. We talk. I teach her. I taught your kids. Like, why are you saying this type of stuff about me? So I really wanted to clear the air and I talked to some people and it was good. So I was there at the non-denominational church for about three and a half years. And I was Mm -hmm. I I got the opportunity to to preach there. That was the first time I got paid to preach whoa so it wasn't it wasn't like a contract deal but it's love offerings and i never knew i was like i've never heard of this before Uh uh-huh yeah boy they're not paying anybody you could really collect with some love offerings now (laughs) i I came back i was in the car and he was just like man we were really blessed by your message and they came out and just gave me an envelope and i was like what's this and he's like it's for you you really blessed the the congregation and I opened it up. And I mean, at that time, I don't know where I was working. Money was tight every, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid. So I was just like, I think it was over $100. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, it just blew my mind mm. that I was like, well, I mean, next time you need me to preach, I'll be here. I mean, hey, I'm, I'm yeah, down. Hey, I, I can serve that. I can serve that word. Hot, fresh, and, and ready. Whatever any, you need. However you like it. Medium well. <laughs> me, I, I am ready. And it was, it was, it was a great experience being, being there. But after a while, the same thing I felt it was missing something because um, there was also this very, I, I felt like it was in some ways legalistic. I felt like in some ways very topical, like it never really got to the point, the meat of the gospel message. Hmm. So after like three years or so, I was like, man, I'm, I started snoozing and sleeping and it, felt, it was bad because I was one of the ministry, minister, you know, ministers in training and I was in the front and people would be catching me. As I'm like, oh, you were uh, legit sleeping. I I was legit. Like, I thought that was like a metaphor. (laughs) Not out of like disrespect for the Uh for the sermon, but I really felt like because sometimes you could convince yourself that, man, this is I don't need this. Like, this isn't good enough for me. I'm not content with this message. I could Mm. be doing something better. And I felt like it was just more of a mental game, not out of like, man, this is so boring or this and that. He could have been saying some really good things. But right. I felt like mentally I was checked out mm. and and it got to that point where I was just like, I really want to look for something else. And in the and I started looking for something else and not letting anyone know. And somehow I found myself, uh, my friend invited me to a PCA church, the same friend who introduced me to Reformed Theology, started going to, a, to the, P, the church I'm at now, a Covenant Church of Naples. And he invited me to that church and I attended and I was like, wow, like I felt like I heard the gospel so clearly for the first time hmm. and i was just captivated by by just how clear everything was i felt like it was just so it was really structured not like some some other sermons i've heard in the past and maybe in the haitian church or the black church but it was it just got to that point where i was like i felt like jesus was at the center of every single message and uh it was as white as could be like this was like when i first walked in there was no one who looked like me my friend said that he was in the church. I could not find him. It was just a sea of white people. 
But honestly, it felt like I'm not here for them. I wasn't concerned about anybody who didn't look like me. Mm-hmm. But it just got to that point where I was like, I just, I feel like I've just been so deprived of something that I just need to finally receive it. And I felt like I did. And a few months later, I became a member. Hmm. Yeah, and I think I think that part of your story, I think, accords with a lot of other people of color in the denomination uh, that, you know, they were looking for something. They ended up finding that particular thing at a PCA church. And in the beginning, uh, odds are they were probably one of a few minorities, if the only one at their church. But they were just so grateful for the other aspects but then for a lot of folks, after a while, you realize that if I'm going to be here, I have to be here with all of the people here mm-hmm. and I have to yeah. be in real community with them. And that's when, you know, for some people, some challenges can occur. And so share just a little bit about what have been uh, some of the things that you have appreciated about the community, being in the community and being, I guess, a, a, one of the few minorities in the congregation, relatively speaking. And then what have been some, you know, maybe some of the challenges and, and mm. if not specifically at the church, I know that you have, uh, especially over the last couple of years, just been involved in the PCA more broadly. So just share some of the things some that, uh, that you've continued to appreciate and then some of the things that have been challenging, specifically um, surrounding um, racial reconciliation and race related issues. Mm. Yeah, um, I get. One, I guess in terms of just the positives of Covenant is that, man, I've, I, I really could say that I've been cared for well and that my church um, has loved me well. Uh, that, that, and, and, and even in the times when you think about the challenges and all the things that are going on, you kind of want to say, man, this place is, um, is not for me. I don't want to, there's nothing really good to say because I've been hurt too bad. And I feel like sometimes people, it, there's a temptation to say things like that. Uh, because of maybe some of the things that you may have gone through. But at the same time, um, the church, in terms of the people there and how they welcomed me in and knowing that I was very much a minority, um, there was not very many of us, but there was many of them who came up and said, hey, and introduced themselves and wanted to get to know me and and um, and really took the time to invest within me. I remember like the first few Sundays that I was there, one family uh uh, invited me and we've been thankfully I had someone else That's when it, he really made it easy him and his wife got you because mm-hmm. there was really about like only there's over a thousand people at covenant and I think there's probably at the time that I noticed there was probably five or six black people mm-hmm. um, so they were the only other black people I saw and I think two others and there was this one other Haitian guy that every conversation I, w- I had he was like, do you know this one Haitian pastor or this one Haitian guy? And I was like, it's my first day. There's no way I can know this guy. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've i heard of him. I was like, but every single conversation that came up, but or a lot of them, but it was just them trying to, you know, interact with me and, and, mm-hmm. and show, hey, we, we, we know or when I tell them I'm from Haiti, it's like, hey, I've been there. Like, I love the work that's going on here that we do at the church because they had a mission uh, partner that's also partnered with uh, that does some work in Haiti. So they were very much interested in where I was coming from. But this one family, they invited me to their home and, and invited me. And it was a white family. And, and me and we've been and his wife, we went over there. And I think we, we left from the, the, 10, the 9 a.m. service. We didn't leave their house till like five or six in the evening. My goodness. And it was just, 
it, it was just a, a really great time of fellowship. Like mm -hmm. I felt like I felt cared for. I felt like, man, for you to be and invite me into your home, it's the first time you met us and you wanted to know us this deeply. I was like, I really felt like this, this church family really cared for me. So I feel like this is one well, of those you, things that was really important for me. That's great, man. Well, shout outs to uh, um, our hospitality warriors in yeah. our churches, man. I mean, um, uh, I was talking um, with some folks that help serve in hospitality at our church and just reminded them that like the gift of hospitality, obviously the Lord exhorts us all to show hospitality, but some mm -hmm. people just are gifted at it. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, I, the lifeblood of the church in many ways are, are those folks uh, that just have that gift and have that willingness to sacrifice whatever their plans might've been from nine to five on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, to, 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 to bring in some, some new folks at the church. Um, so man, again, just another testimony from your testimony of um, just, um, I think a lot of things that we can glean as it relates to our own life and in the life of a, a local church. So you ended up there, seems like you got involved. Uh, yeah. You, you seems like every other church that you've been in, somehow your gifts find you out and people identify them. So how, how is, how, has that happened for you at um, the church you're at now? And how has that maybe in some ways been a little bit different process than maybe at some of your other churches? Yeah, um, I, I definitely want to get to some of the challenges that you talked about, too, because there has been some of that. Yeah. But in terms of the, the ways to serve, you know, I, I also found a way of volunteering with the youth ministry there. And I started with the production ministry and eventually got myself a job. So I do social media and in media uh, at the church doing video and photography. So, um, and that was something new that I, I really had no interest in or any gifts in at the time, uh, but somehow God kind of put it in my hands and I was able to use it as a way to serve the church. Hmm. Um, but I guess in some of the challenges that kind of yeah. come with kind of being integrated because this connects in terms of like, all right, as you kind of get deeper into the church yeah. as a member, then a volunteer, then a staff, you start seeing some things. Yep. Certain curtains start being pulled open and you start kind of seeing the how the structure of the church truly is. Um, you start knowing, you start getting some, being able to have certain conversations with people behind closed doors or um, in while you're kind of working it, when you're, when I'm working, I'll stop by and someone will come in and you might overhear some things. Um, so some of the challenges for me um, probably hit uh, the most uh, during the time, uh, right before the protest and the Black Lives Matter and George, the death of George Floyd, mm -hmm. I started taking some classes at FGCU, uh, more about race and, and race topics and started becoming way, a lot more informed about what's going on. And, and I think in some ways I knew what was going on, but these classes helped to put words to my experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I understood that some of the things that were being said, I was like, man, these are not biblical things. So it made me seek out um, what is the what is my denomination and what are the people at my church think about some of these topics on race injustice, and reconciliation? Um, mm -hmm. These are conversations I never really had before, but I was like, there's gotta be a, a biblical answer to some of these things that are happening, some of these injustices. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was very curious and I started kind of looking deeper into it. But in that time, as I was, it seems like the deeper I try to look into the situation the more that was starting to reveal itself of my church and the people within it. Um, so some of the things are just like how people addressed me or saw me. Like I started seeing myself as like, man, I know I'm a minority here, but it felt like I was that, I was all on my own 
around mm-hmm. that time, like right before that protest, as I was digging deeper, I felt like, man, the way people look at me and the glares that I get, some people, and not all, not, I wouldn't say this for everybody, but sometimes as I was kind of just walking through and I work there, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I volunteer with your kids. I'm, now I work here. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the way they, they looked at me just seemed in a way of like, what is he doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, and it really brought me back to an, to a time and when I first got there, when I went to the welcome desk and uh, some of the people there, when me and my friend were, were come up, we were like trying to learn more about the church. Uh, they would say, you know, I think one of the first things they'd come up and say after I say my name, oh, I'm just, can we get some more information? It's like, oh, do you know there's a, because uh, we have a Haitian church on campus, uh, um, like on campus in uh, right next door. And mm. they were just, and as we came up, it was like, oh, hey, how are you guys? I was like, I was like, where are you guys from? Like, do you guys know, like, or, or, or to that point of like, do you guys know there's a Haitian church next door? Got you. As if like, you guys may be at the wrong place. Right. Like, wow. And, and and we, and that was the first time. And I was like, at the welcome desk? Like, it was kind of strange. I was I know, like, right? normally, <laughs> like, you don't go to a Nissan place looking for a, a Nissan car. And they're like, have you been to Toyota? Ford? <laughs> yeah. Or Ford? Right. Or I'm exactly. just like, no, I'm. I'm, I'm sure those cars are good too, but I'm here for a Nissan. Mm-hmm. So I don't need the, and I know it probably could have been and just like, Hey, they're just trying to let me know. But for us, it made us feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And other people also would come out and that would be like, outside of all the other things that could come up. Sometimes even before introducing ourselves or getting to know us to be like, do you guys know there's a Haitian church next door? As of like, I think you guys may have the wrong place. Mm. Right. And um, I voiced these, some of these things. That's why I feel comfortable saying it. I've talked to some of the leadership about this happening, but it really later on when I was seeking some of those things, it reminded me of that happening. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, what do they mean by that? And certain conversations that I've had, like that really made me feel at a point in time that I don't know if I want to continue to be here. Right. And and it really made me reconsider why did I leave my church? Like why did I leave mm-hmm. the Haitian church? Um, if I'm gonna have to come across things like this. And that's where it came out because in the beginning I was even with our young adult ministry that I helped to kind of get up and going, I was bringing my friends. Like the first few times when I got there, I was bringing my friends that I knew because I was like, Man, you guys gotta come out. Like this is very gifted preacher. Like I I still to this day I have I don't really say it. I have nothing wrong to say out of, out of the leadership of my church, like bad things, because I feel like they are really gifted uh, mm-hmm. preachers in that, in that manner. So um, I, t- I come out and tell them, Hey, come out and and listen to the sermon. I feel like you really be blessed by it. Um, or just come out and come to my church and, and, and come out to the young adult ministry or something. And I'd invite all my friends and some people would be very encouraging and say, Hey, I love and appreciate how you're bringing, um, you know, your friends and, and help having them serve. I love seeing this. Um, but other times, even on top of that, later on, I just felt like, man, what's the point? Um, mm. some of these people, sometimes I felt like some of these people didn't really see me as a brother in Christ or even someone that belongs. So even after being a member after a few months, I really felt that, uh, man, I just, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it hit me hard. It really hit me hard. And I was looking for answers and I was trying to, and even though I had a lot of, you know, mentors and leaders and those who supported me. It, there was nothing that kept, I still, I still felt that way. And it kind of shows you that yeah. regardless of you may have these people who do love on you, but it's hard to see those people 
that do see you at see you differently that do see you in a different light and those looks really do uh change how you kind of feel about yourself and how you and your sense of belonging mm-hmm. so what so why do you stay million dollar question why do you stay yeah um i think it uh, one of the biggest things for me was the conversations that i started to have when one of my my one of my mentors introduced me to a professor that he had that uh, that taught at uh, uh, RTS Orlando Reformed Theological Seminary, which was Erwin Entz. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got a book out. This is my main man. I just yeah. talked to him yesterday. I mm-hmm. uh, love this dude. He yeah. was um, he taught at TGC. But I had an opportunity to get in a conversation with him. And I was telling I was venting and I was telling him all these things. Yeah. And I was just like, man, like, I I don't know what to do. I, like I need help. Like I need answers to some of these questions because I'm just like I feel this way. I see these things. I've and and all these things are happening, and it seems like it's happening all at once. Like, is there any other? Is there anyone else that that's experiencing what I'm experiencing? Because I feel like I'm like a dime a dozen. Like, there's no one else going through this. Mm-hmm. And for him to tell me, man, you're not alone. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've been through this. Like, man, I, let me introduce you to some to some other brothers and sisters in this denomination that also have gone through the same thing. And, and he told me about the reconciliation and justice conference that was happening. Like in, I think it happened like 2019 in January, like right before COVID, um, or like 2020, I think it might've been 2020. And, um, he told me about the conference and I was just, and he was like, yeah, man, like there's going to be, we, it's about the reconciliation and justice. A lot of these conversations that you're looking to find answers to, you'll find it there and you'll find other black people there as well. Mm-hmm. So, and these are one of the things where I'm like come up with, even though I was feeling these type, I was feeling this way. I was able to bring this up to my leadership and tell them I was feeling this way. And I was like, Hey, I'd love to be able to go to this conference to be able to learn more and be able to learn more on these, some of these topics. And maybe I could bring it back to you guys so we could talk about this because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hearing there's other black people in this denomination. Uh, and it was to me, I was just like, like I was excited for that. And so they, you didn't at this time, you didn't really know that there was many black people in the PCA. I didn't know there was a black. I never heard of a black PCA pastor. Like for the last year, I didn't know there was a black black PCA pastors. I just thought that wow. I was I really thought that, yes, there was probably some black people that went uh-huh. and that probably were reformed, but not really in the PCA denomination, because I never yeah. heard of black PCA pastors. There's no resources yeah. that I've read or conversations that I've had. I was there for a year. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard of a black PCA pastor. And hmm. I told my friend Weebins, I was like, bro, there's other black people in this denomination <laughs> yeah. that are like leaders and that they're like, <laughs> and they're pastors. I was like, and I was like, and I was telling him that. And I actually, and when I asked my church, can we go to this conference? I was like, can I also bring Weebins with me? Cause I, cause him and I started having conversations like that more often. Mm-hmm. I was battling a lot of this out with him and trying to talk through a lot of those certain things. And my church supported both of us to go to the conference okay. and fly out. And we did. And I remember coming into that room and seeing so many black people. And I went to Weavers. I was like, bro, there's a there's a black pastor right there. There's a black pastor <laughs> right there. Like, there's a black people over here. Like, bro, like we're here. Like we made it. Like this is <laughs> we in there. This is it. So <laughs> that kind of changed my whole perspective. This was in 2019. This I think it was 20. COVID happened when? Was this a, was COVID? Well, March of 2020, I think, is when the um the okay. shutdowns happened. So it was yeah. January 2020. That seems like okay. a long ago, but yeah, it was 2020. So right in that time, the conference, the Reconciliation and Justice Conference happened in St. Louis. 
and man, it was cold as a mug. Like it was, it was, it was <laughs> snowing outside, and that was the first time I've ever seen snow in my life. So coming what? from Haiti, coming from Haiti, the hottest place, one of the hottest places you could be, going to Naples, which is also hot, as Florida, mm-hmm. humid, and then going to somewhere like that. I've never really been out mm. weather like that. And I talked to Charles. We were on a call. <laughs> I yep. talked to Charles because I was in Indianapolis last week, and it was cold over there too. And my lips wouldn't stop. It, it just continued to get dry. I licked him. I put chapstick. <laughs> and we we're on our monthly call. And I told yeah. I told Charles, bro, who I, and anybody, it was anybody. I was like, what do I do? And my hands were getting dry too. And I kept moisturizing. I was like, there's, I can't fix this. Like my hands are con- just so dry. <laughs> Look, we're going to get you some products. We're going to get you some things that you can use. <laughs> and I don't know what, yeah, I really need that. Because at the same time, I don't know how black people live out there today. <laughs> Well, Jason, man, I've, I've, I've heard bits and pieces of your story before, but I don't think I've recognized how uh, how it's been a relatively short time period between that space where you were feeling like you were all alone, feeling like, man, I don't know if this is a space for me to yeah. you diving in head first into uh, the larger world of uh, African-American ministries in, in this denomination, man. So what have been some of the relationships or um, some of the resources that have been most helpful and encouraging to you as you are beginning to, to think about your, your next, your next um, leadership role in this denomination? Yeah, I think, man, even throughout this whole COVID experience, we've been able to really see the blessings that kind of came along with it. Like definitely there was strife and disaster. But one of the things is that some, because of COVID and the quarantine, there were so many people who are as busy as could be that schedules started like clearing up. So as soon as I started getting some different contact information, I started calling everybody, like Mm -hmm. anybody black in the PCA (laughs) that they would connect me with. They'd be like, Hey, I know I could connect you with like five different pastors here or these people and all the people I met from the conference I just started hitting up their line on a regular basis and it's not like they were doing anything so I went out can we set up a zoom or can Mm. we set up a phone call I was on the phones it seems like every single day and honestly I needed it because it was therapeutic for me Mm -hmm. because I was learning from their experience I was like man what's your PCA experience have been like what are you doing like why do you stay like one of the reasons why I stay is because I gained motivation and encouragement from other black people in this denomination oh, yeah. who have been able to share their experience yeah. and getting to that point where I'm just like, Hey, like, yes, we're in this predominantly white denomination, but this is one, this one black pastor told me, he's like, man, the PCA is like the toenail on the foot of what God has uh, for us, for, for, for all of his ministries. Like it's like the PCA. And I think in a lot of times we make it seem like it's this, the biggest piece, this biggest denomination, or it's the most, everything has to go around this denomination or this reform faith. And it was like, man, God is just doing so much in so many different places. And, and it really helped me to see that, man, even the, at the, at the black church, at the Haitian church, at the Spanish church in, in America, outside of America, like God is still, you know, in, 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 in he's still reigning. He's still in power. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, he kind of made me seem like this is not, like you're making this bigger than it has to be. Mm-hmm. Like God has called you to this specific role and position and kind of just be committed to it. Like serve yeah. the people that you've been called to serve. And I started, and then it started making it less like, all right, I have to 
then tailor myself or be like uh, this type of person for everybody at the church. No, like God has called me to, you know, as a so social media assistant, he has called me as a leader at, uh, at my church with the young adult ministry. Um, he's called me as a leader at RUF. So then I started focusing on these people and investing in these people. And then it made it seem like, man, it was more bearable. Mm -hmm. Now yeah. I had some outside resources whenever I got to that point, you know, whenever a shooting happened or whenever something at my church happened with a member or something else, I knew that I had people who had my back. I know That's I had right. God that I could go to for prayer, of course. And I also knew that um, in that time, I don't have to make it bigger than what it has to be. So yeah. I think some of the things definitely is just calling as many, trying to get connected with as many black people in the PCA as you can, like me and Charles are on a call with some other brothers um, for with African-American ministries, which is I'm so happy to be on this podcast and you guys are doing this to connect other black people in the PCA is because this has literally been um, the biggest thing for me is mm -hmm. being able to get in contact with other people who also share my experience or even have different experiences because yeah. we're not, all of our experiences are not the same. Absolutely. That's right. Um, but also just being able to connect with them. Um, also just be able to get some really good mentors in my current context because you can't mm -hmm. always have mentors that are outside like I you know I love talking to Charles but man got his whole he's he's leading a church like he's mm -hmm. got things to do I think I sent him an email like a few days ago and he has a I got you bro <laughs> I got you I, I got you bro you at the top of the list you at the top of the list bro like this is my big brother right here man and, and I, I you know sometimes it'd be like that I know he's busy <laughs> yeah you know what I'm saying so so I was just like, so I started getting some people in my local context uh, at my church. Like my, mm -hmm. my campus minister has been one of the biggest influences in my life. And this is a white man, you know, who, mm -hmm. who happens to also understand the complexities and the nuances of what's going on in our denomination. And he's the one that told me two years ago that where I kind of, where I see you, um, and this is before I even had where I'm at now, is he's like, I see you out in Washington, D.C. under Russ and Cyril Chavis. He's the one that told me that. He told me that, man, he sees me as someone who could be really? uh, someone big in the, in the PCA uh, or someone influential or impactful in the PCA. And he saw that. And now I'm on my way to Washington, D.C. to be the first RUF intern at Howard. Like at that time, if you were to hear it, you'd be like, man, RUF at Howard hasn't even started yet. Mm -hmm. Like and even right. if by the time I graduate, there's chances that they won't even be looking for an intern because right. it takes a while for for them to kind of you know to build and see what they're going to be doing there but that's, that's right. what he saw that's what he was so confident in and he got me in contact with the right people and he supported me and had conversations with me so and also my, my mentor Aaron because I think he's gonna listen to this too I gotta make sure I put him in uh, <laughs> and white man you know what I'm talking about so I say that like this is a white but this is one of my my closest friends and, and, and mentors because He's the one that's been there through a lot of these conversations who's called me. My friend Brett as well. I got to put him in here too because he's going to listen to this. <laughs> Brett Stokes, who's out in Ohio, who's not even in my local context, who cried at the fact at some of these shootings and, and, and cried with me and, and all these different type of things. I'm not much of a cry, so I didn't cry. He cried. But mm, he yeah. cried for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because, and he knew, he understood the emotions that I had. And it's not like I didn't want to cry, but it's just, it, it, it just, it just didn't want to, it was hard for me at that time. Mm -hmm. yeah. But he was there for me and some, such a big part of my life. And it showed me that, man, like, white people aren't evil. I never thought that. <laughs> white yeah. people are evil. Like, it's just to show you that 
man, they're there and there are people who do care for you and they want to get to know you, but you just kind of, and they want to be able to learn more about you. And sometimes it just takes you, sometimes you have to be that older brother or older sister to kind of help them up and in their understanding and pray for them. And, and before, cause it wasn't a big concern for him before, but now it is because through me, he's been able to see some of these things and, and it's yeah. not in a way of like trying to be like, Hey man, like, I don't want to make it sound like, I don't, you know, never mind, never mind. I don't want to make it sound like it's like, oh, if I feel, I know some people like they feel like, all right, I've tried that and it didn't work. But I, I, I can only say what's kind of been working for me um, and what's been helpful. But some of those things have just been such a blessing to me. Yeah. Yeah, man. This is what this is all about. It's about your story, man, and about mm-hmm. your experience, um, the mm-hmm. ups and downs, highs and lows of it all. And it sounds like DC's that next move. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, at, you know, before we wrap up, man, just let the people know uh, what's going to be going on uh, with you in this next phase of what the Lord has you up to. Yeah, I guess in this next phase um, is that I'll be moving to D.C. Uh, sometime around August. Uh, hey. Now it's been helping me look for <laughs> So we're, we're, we're still on, we're still looking. So we if are. anyone <laughs> want to help us out, they could... Uh, by the time you watch this episode let us know <laughs> we've been doing like virtual uh tours like off through facetime and everything else like that so i'll be moving up in august and i'll be uh intern under uh sarah chavis at howard university the mecca howard you know so mm. it's, shout I mean, out shout out shout out to reverend chavis uh, we, got, yeah. we got the first lady on the line right now already but uh, yeah shout well, out, look, shout we're out excited for him to get here we're excited for you to get here yeah. So it's just like, those are the next two year. That's a two year commitment there that I'll be planning on doing. And then afterwards, I plan on going to seminary uh, at uh, Reformed Theological Seminary to be, hey, man, to add to that list of very hey. uh, mm-hmm. black pastors in the PCA. But mm-hmm. I don't know if what well, I, I might be what I think me and my friend always talking about, like when we first get when we get ordained. I'll be like number 57 and he'll be like number 58 yeah, yeah. <laughs> or something Slick. like that. No, that's, so, that's probably right. No. <laughs> you, you, you'll always remember your number. I was, 50, uh, yeah. I was, I think I was 51 at the mm-hmm. time. So yeah, you'll remember your number. You remember so, yours. So I have to tell you, so I oh, might yeah. be, it might be higher up. Cause I know there's a lot of black. Well, people. there's some that have left too. So I feel, I think we're like at 52 or 53 right now, but it's kind of yeah. stayed the same because some will leave and then some will come. Yeah. Some leave. So it's kind of yeah. been balanced. Yeah. So yeah, you may be in that. You may be in the 50s. In the 50s or the 60s. So hopefully more than that, I know will come. But I mean, I'm, I'm excited for this opportunity. Um, and I just, I, I'm also support raising. I couldn't, you know, definitely being. Yeah, in spot I was about to say, bro, like, what if somebody listening it. to this? What if someone listening to this is like, man, I really like that Jason guy. And I got just bags of money laying around. I want to yep. bless this brother. <laughs> How can they cash app you? What's, 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 what's the move? All right. So definitely don't cash at me because uh, <laughs> the money goes to the organization. So it goes to RUF and ways to kind of give is, um, I don't know why I don't have this. It's www.giveatruf.com. If I'm wrong on that, should, should, uh, Janelle. Yeah, the, I, I, I feel like, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll put it in the description box, but I yeah. think it may be give to RUF. It but, might be uh, give to RUF. That's what it is. Yeah. So through that, I'm also starting. Come on, to bro. Pay. You need to know where to send the paper. <laughs> like, I know. I, come on, man. You know, you Leave know, your email address. That way they can, they can always okay, email okay, you. Okay. I, I know that. I know that for sure. So it's jason.francoeur at ruf.org so that's that's cool. my that's my email so 
I think Janelle, you'll put that in the in the description as well. So yeah, yeah. So some of that, that's kind of ways that you could kind of give to my ministry. Um, living in DC is really expensive um, with, with rent and, and everything else. So it's going to be, it's a good amount that I need to raise, but I know God is faithful, but also not only the financial, but to also be praying, uh, yes. for me and, yeah. and Cyril and his family, uh, and at, for the students at Howard, like that's what we kind of need the most, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of growing up, like I said, in that praying family, I think black people also just are very prayerful. Like we're just deep mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. into prayer. Like that's just our thing. So if I could have all the black folk, all the white folk as well, um, to be praying <laughs> we for got you. to endeavor, that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. That's it. Shout out to the prayer warriors out here. Yeah. We need, we need y'all to, uh, uh, to intercede for our brother, Jason, as he uh, steps into this exciting uh, new, new ministry opportunity. I'm so excited about uh, Team Jason and Cyril on campus. Come on mm-hmm. um, Howard, Howard ain't ready for y'all yet. Nope. They really uh, ain't. But, but just, just excited about man, just the gospel move that y'all are going to continue to push forward. Yeah. Um, uh, Janelle and Cyril already been killing it, and I think just adding you to the team, man, is just going to be amazing, man. So, man, it's been great to have you on Thank today, you. man. Um, I, I hope the people are encouraged by it. Janelle, is there anything else before we wrap up today? No, I don't think so. Just just excited for you, Jason, and what you have going on. One thing that I have, I've I've told Cyril several times is, you know, I love Jason's like go-getter attitude. Like I, as you were talking about how you were just hitting people up on their line, like, let me, let me find some, some black people in in, in these spaces because I want to be in it and I want to stay encouraged. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate your initiative. I appreciate your intentionality and I believe that it'll do some awesome things here in dc so thanks for for being vulnerable with us here today thanks for your confidence and uh we appreciate you (laughs) well man again man thank you for being with us uh today jason and thank you all that are listening uh between the pew is brought to you by african-american ministries to follow aam be sure to visit our website at aampca.org follow us on the socials social media at at aampca and we will see you next week peace